Amen. Bless the musicians. Wasn't that good this morning? Worship team did an awesome job. We're delighted to have Pastor Todd Johnson from Atlanta with us today. We love you, Pastor Todd. Appreciate you being here. And uh, he's going to be ministering with the Georgians uh, Quartet next Saturday. Uh, well, I guess this is coming Saturday, isn't it? Uh, at uh, Crossroads Baptist. What time is that? 7, 7.30? It, uh, just go at 6. You'll be there in, on time. Hallelujah. And uh, we love Pastor Todd, his wife, Cortilla, and uh, actually he'll be back with us next Sunday as well. So we're honored to have him. We're honored to have you this morning at Grace Point. God bless you. Give yourself a hand. Hallelujah. Amen. We are going to begin a new series this morning, and we're so thankful we were going on vacation last week. And uh, so we're honored to uh, always have Apostle Callaway uh, with us, and so he was here last Sunday, and, and uh, what an awesome job he always does, amen, and so we appreciate him uh, allowing us that opportunity to, to go away and be away with the family. Uh, today we're going to begin a series called In the Spirit, everybody say In the Spirit, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 uh, uses that phrase, and we're going to talk about several different aspects of what it really means to be in the Spirit. I mean, as the Bible talks about walking in the Spirit, it talks about praying in the Spirit, Paul said. So what does all that mean? And if we're always in the Spirit, then why do we draw attention biblically, like in this verse, to being in the Spirit, if we're always in the Spirit? Now, we're always in the Spirit with the Lord. Romans 8 talks about that, that we're no longer in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit once you've been born again. But how many knows to whatever you yield yourself to? And so today's going to be more like an introduction to this uh, series. Now, you've got to understand this is after the, 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 the crucifixion, Beth, uh, uh, Beth, come on, Dale, death, burial, and resurrection, my tongue's getting tangled up, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to see that this is under enduring grace, and it's talking about in the Spirit. This is John writing. And he says in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is the Sabbath day. And he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now, my point with this is just to draw attention to his phrase, to what he says, because he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So that means he's not always in the Spirit in, in the way that he is here. Or why draw attention to it? But here he says, I was in the Spirit. There was something special going on on the Sabbath day. And what happened in the Spirit, he said, I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. On down a couple of verses later, he, you know, uh, he says that I turned to see this one that was speaking to me. And then he says, I saw. So what I want you to understand that in the Spirit, you hear things that you otherwise couldn't know, hear. You know things that you wouldn't know otherwise. You see things that you wouldn't see otherwise. There is a difference. And so we're, 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 we're not fighting within ourselves, but we are in a, we're in an earth suit. It's called the flesh. Flesh just doesn't mean necessarily evil. It just means that uh, carnal or the, or the carn, you know, we're, we're carnal beings. We're in a flesh, earthly meat suit. That's what it means. And so when the Bible encourages us to not to be double-minded, now how could you be double-minded if you don't have two minds? 
So we have a natural mind. The Bible says the natural mind doesn't receive the things that be of the spirit. Neither can it. But it doesn't mean your natural educated college brain or whatever education you got in that natural mind. There's nothing wrong with it. Paul said in Romans 12 and 1 that he wants our mind to be renewed. So our minds have to become in agreement and alignment with what the spirit. But when you got born again, what part of you that was born again was your spirit. But we don't always, you know, yield ourselves to the spirit as we do. And so are there things that we can do to be like John was here? Are there things that we can do to, to be in the spirit on the Lord's day? And, and there, are, there, are, there are things that we can do. And let me tell you something. And then there's times that we, seemingly with nothing that we've done, you, we're in the spirit. And in the spirit, you see things, you, you hear things, you know things. Let me say something to you. I mean, this is a grace church, and we, that, you know, I, I, come on now. I preach grace all the time, and I'm still preaching grace. But, but our God is a supernatural God. And, and if our lives as believers is not supernatural, then we're superficial. And there is an aspect of yielding ourselves to a life in the Spirit, to be used uh, by the Spirit. And uh, I believe that one of the biggest reasons that the body of Christ hasn't today made a greater impact on our generation is because of our failure to, to yield ourselves more to the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen to that? Uh, I'm not going to read. I know you stand. Now, I'm not going to read all these verses, but Hebrews chapter two, verses three and four talks about that God bore witness with them, with both signs, wonders, different miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then it says these words according to His own will. So the Spirit moves according to His own will in our lives. Mark sixteen, uh, chapter verse seventeen and eighteen. You remember Jesus talked about that all true believers would flow. Really, in the miraculous, but he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Well, how many believers do we have? Well, the signs will follow you. You don't have to go following the signs. Signs will follow you. And he begins to enumerate on that. And then uh, Mark goes on to say, preaching the word, God working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So God will confirm his word. He will confirm his word in your life individually. He'll confirm the word of God that's preached. Amen. How many knows if you preach on salvation, you're very likely to see a sign of someone getting saved? If you preach on healing, then God will confirm that sign and you will very likely experience healing in, in that, in that uh, atmosphere. Is that right? So let, let's pray as we go in, uh, begin this series today. Father, we love you. We thank you for the confirmation of your word. We thank you for just the moving of the Spirit so powerfully this morning during the worship time. We thank you for that. We sensed your manifested presence and as you spoke to us, as you ministered to us. And God, we thank you for the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that is our comforter, our counselor, and our guide. We give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said Shake somebody's hand. Give them a big smile. Tell them welcome to Grace Point before you sit down. <clears throat> now, today may be a little bit, well, it's, it is going to be different as far as my part. I, I, I want to thank Elder Crawford that just yielding to the Spirit. Just God, I could just, 
I had goosebumps on goosebumps while he was talking up here. Just God's just ministering. It was such a true word. God speaking to us and confirming to us his, his love and his closeness to us. You know, God's not only with you, he's in you if you've been born of the Spirit, born again. And, uh, but, you know, I was raised, uh, uh, really, I guess we would say Pentecostal, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, for most of my life as a, as a believer. And one thing I want you to understand that, man, I, I've seen some wonderful, wonderful things. And uh, I guess one thing that's troubling to me is that, you know, non-denominational churches have fallen away from ministering or even attempting to minister or, you know, sometimes even believing in ministering in the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, like they used to. Now, for a long time, mainline denominations, and I'm not being critical here, I'm just telling you that, you know, for the most part, broad brushstroke how it is, mainline denominational churches have long developed some kind of doctrines that they've made up that's not in the Bible uh, to cope with the obvious discrepancy of the lack of the moving of the, of the Spirit in the lives you know, and, and so many of them will take a position that God doesn't heal anymore. I've noticed that people that go to churches like that don't believe in healing until they get sick. But when the doctor tells them they got six months to live, all of a sudden they try to develop a theology of healing, believing in healing, yet they're surrounded by a lifetime of saying God doesn't do that anymore, God doesn't heal anymore, God doesn't do this anymore or that anymore. It's just ridiculous. There's no cessation of the gifts of the Spirit or the moving of the Spirit. It's just, it's just not in the Bible. It's just not there. Uh, we see it in the lives of all of those that followed Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. We see that in, the, in, in their lives. And, uh, but what I am seeing today is even churches like, you know, somebody, well, what kind of church are you? I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a believer and follower of Jesus. I say, you know, because everybody wants to get a label on you as quick as they can so that they can put you in a category. So, I'm, you know, I've always struggled with that all my life. Well, what are you? Are you Pentecostal? Uh, you know, I want to say, I probably want to say no to that because of what that means in your head. To some people, if you say I'm Pentecostal, then they want to break it. You say, well, where's y'all keep your snakes at? <clears throat> you know, out in the woods where, where they should belong. I mean, it's just stupid stuff. Uh, are you charismatic, you know, or are you this? Or are you Baptist or Methodist? You know, really, we're all a mixture of all those things. Okay? Uh, the problem with what camper being in is the problem is campers. <laughs> don't camp just keep flowing with the progressive revelation of God and and doing what the Lord is telling us I, I just I, t today I just feel like I want to talk to you okay and I know it's going to be good if I talk about the Bible okay uh, but I don't feel I don't have a big you know so I'm done with this I don't even have that's all my sermons I mean all my, I don't have any more no more notes uh, so it's going to be really whatever from here on but listen to me. I'm going to reference a lot of things that's on my heart. This has been on my heart for weeks. In, in Psalm 78, I'm not going to read that chapter, but in Psalm 78, uh, that whole chapter is, is about don't stop telling your children and the generations that's before you of the past miracles, signs, and wonders that God has done. Now there he's telling them to tell He's encouraging them to keep telling the story to your children about how God brought his children out of Egypt and how he did all these signs and wonders and miracles through, the, through uh, Moses. And he's telling them not to stop telling their kids about that. 
And he's encouraging them to do that. And then he goes on and he tells them this. Listen to me. He says, the children of Ephraim, though they were armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. And, 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 he, and he goes on to tell you why they turned back. Because he said they have forgot about the works of God. Not the word of God, but the works of God. They've just, they, they, they stopped believing in the supernatural and the miracle and the, and the possibilities of what a supernatural God can do in our lives and accomplish through our lives. And so he says to, to tell it to the next generation. So I know God's done stuff in your life, but don't ever get tired of telling it. And don't stop telling it because it gets a certain age on it. You know, because it's five years old or 25 years old or 50 years old or however old did you tell the generation that's before you. So I'll, you know, I want to sit down with my grandchildren now and tell them the things and the miracles that I've seen with my own eyes that God has done. And, and, and if you listen, and if you don't tell them, then they're not going to have the heart to, to battle through some things. Although that they're born again and they're armed and carrying bows. In other words, they have all the spiritual uh, weaponry that they need to overcome anything in their life, but they will, they will faint in their heart because they don't believe in a supernatural God. People that don't believe in a supernatural God that just believe that, that church is some kind of you know, uh, you know, self-help improvement program just try harder, be, you know, be better kind of a deal. I mean, that's not going to get you through some things in your life. And, and, and so, you know, and so what does it mean in the Spirit? What is this phrase? And why did John draw our attention to that day? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What was different about that day? I, I don't know what got him in the Spirit. But I know the, the New Testament Bible is filled with examples and uses that phrase of by the Spirit or in the Spirit. Uh, you might remember there's a man uh, in Luke called Simeon. And this is a man that God, he says, by the Spirit had been revealed to him that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And remember that guy? And it said that he had been promised that he wouldn't physically die until he, with his own eyes, he had laid his eyes on the Messiah, the promised one who the prophets had been prophesying for hundreds of years was coming. So he knew it was coming in his lifetime. And so then one day it says that he was led, and so he, it said he went into the temple in the Spirit. By the Spirit, he went to the temple that day, and on that day happened to be this young Jewish couple, Joseph and Mary, walked in, and they were holding a baby that was to be dedicated to the Lord. And when his eyes saw that child, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he knew that was the Messiah. And even though he was an old man, he, uh, he, you know, he shuffled his way over to that couple, asked him, could he hold that baby? And he held that baby up and said, now I can come home to be with you, Lord, for mine eyes have seen the promise of one, the Messiah of the Lord. And he looked at his mother, Mary, and he said, this child is set for the rise and fall of many uh, kingdoms. And he prophesied, and it says that Joseph and Mary were amazed at this man. And God used people to confirm that this baby was no ordinary baby uh, that they had uh, been granted with. Of course, they knew that. They both got personal visitations from an angel named Gabriel. But, but sometimes years go by and you'll forget the supernatural things that God's done in your life. It may have been protection in your life. It may have been healing. It may have been a financial miracle that God turned things around. But there's all kinds of things. You know, listen, the gifts of the Spirit and all these things are, are, are not just for a select few. They're not just for preachers. And so what does it mean to be in the Spirit? Well, yes, that's really, in a way, it's kind of hard to explain. 
I remember that I had a couple in my church when I first started uh, the church there called Cornerstone in Sparks. And then I started that church in March uh, the 10th of uh, 91. And I remember we had a young couple started coming to our church then. And actually it was a couple that when I was in a Pentecostal church as a Sunday school teacher to the teenager class, I had these teenagers and two teenagers were in there in my class. And later on, those teenagers uh, became married years later. And, and uh, lo and behold, I'm pastoring a church and they walk in as a married, young married couple. Uh, <clears throat> They come to me, and they neither one of them had any part of our church as far as other than just attending. And, and I remember that they came to me and said that we're believing God for, a, you know, a baby. Well, they, she had been told that it was impossible for her to conceive and to have a baby. And you got to think about things in life. Why would you want a child? In other words, you have that desire to have a child in your life, and yet you can't have one. And yet God tells you to be fruitful and multiply. You desire to have these, you know, you know, the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And what does that mean? Is those things you desire, in other words, if you desire to be a millionaire, that's probably because God's put that in you. I'm serious. If you desire to own your own company, you just have that burning desire, it's probably because God's put that in you. If, you del if your delight is the Lord, he's the one giving you your desires. Some of us spend way too much time praying and asking God to speak to you about what he wants you to do. You're so afraid of making a mistake. God's already put an onboard GPS in you spiritually. I mean, you can't screw it up, really. If, you'll just, if you just delight in the Lord, read his word, just love God and receive his love for you, then just do what you want to do. What, don't waste all that time. For, oh, God, would you show? God. I mean, you just don't see that in the New Testament. Just do what you want to do. I want to start my own company. We'll start it. You think it's the Lord's will? Do you want to do it? We'll do it. That's what God's, God's put that desire in you. See how simple that is? And the church don't like that because they, you know, they want to make it like calculus or, you know, solving, you know, the atomic, you know. I mean, just, just knock it off, man. Just, you don't see people in the New Testament struggling over that. You don't even see nobody praying like, God, do you want me to be a preacher or a fisherman or do you want me to be a construction guy? Or do you want, what do you want me to do? You don't even see that in the, in the New Testament, nowhere. It's just not in there. And, and then I, people often say, I just want to miss the Lord. I, you know, I just want to find this person. I just want to miss God. And then whatever, you, whatever career vocation you decide, then the people that, you know, I believe God wants me to do that, then they're back in my office six months later thinking they made a mistake. When times get hard in that or difficulty comes. Just God's with you. Do you understand the Bible says he blessed the work of your hands? Now, some people are scared of work. <laughs> the, the reason it's called work is because it's work. There's work in work. But God said he'll bless the work of your hands. Stop trying to figure out if you're supposed to be a CEO or a truck driver or a carpenter. Just do what you love to do. Do what makes you happy, you love to do, or what produces for you. Okay? If you say, well, God's called me to be a fisherman and you never catch any fish, and you might have that one wrong. But what does it mean to be in the Spirit? I, I, I don't know. I, I know when I'm in it because I know things that otherwise I couldn't know. So back to this young couple said, we, you know, the doctors have told us that we can't have a baby. Uh, would you pray for us to, you know, to have a baby? So I did. I remember, and so I know some of you have heard this story before, but I'm going to Psalm 78 you. I'm going to tell it again. 
So we prayed for them, I don't know how many times, but as a church called them, you know, they came down front, we anointed them with oil, we prayed the prayer of faith, we laid our hands upon them, we're, we're believing for a miracle for this couple, this young couple. And, you know, and, and it's just, you know, we're not seeing it manifest. That's very frustrating. You ever prayed for something and didn't see it when you wanted it? I mean, I, I want God to be like Wendy's. I want to pull up, yell my prayer in the window, and pull up and get it handed out to me. I got about 30 seconds of patience, and that's all I need. Come on, God. Hand, throw it in the window, okay, and then I'll drive on. Give you praise while I'm eating it. Hallelujah. That, that, but that's just not the way it happens in the spirit realm most of the time. So all I know is in that little church in Sparks, I don't know, a lot of time had gone by. He had been physically, medically checked out. She had gone to three different uh, gynecologists, and they had told her it's, it's anatomically impossible for you to you know, conceive and carry a child. Um, so that's, that's the medical report, and we love doctors appreciate them. But that's what they told her. But all I know is on one Sunday service, I don't even remember, I think we were doing Sunday and Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night in those days, and there are people sitting here that know this is true, and, and, and you can talk to this man. I'm not going to give all his name, all this stuff, because this message, these, these sermons go a lot of places. You know, respect their their privacy. <clears throat> but if you want to, you know, he'll. I'll give you. You know, you can contact him if you doubt anything that I'm going to say. But on that one Sunday service, I was on up front, and here comes in the spirit. And I looked out, and they were, and she was. They were sitting on this side, and uh, and I can't explain now. This is where it gets kind of foggy, because I not foggy, but um, it's just hard for me to explain to you how this works. Because in the spirit, you just know stuff. So I looked out. And I looked at his wife, uh, and I knew that I was to pray for her. How'd you know? I don't know. And I and I said, uh, you know, I called her name. Would you come come down here? So here she comes. Okay. Um, and so when she came down, my whole platform was about as high as this one step at, at our church. Um, and so when she came down, uh, I went in the spirit. I'm talking about being in the spirit. What do you mean by that? So when she came and, I, and she's standing there, I stepped down in front of her, and, I, and when she stood there, you, this may get where it get like mystical on you or whatever, and you may get like, you know, whatever. But she, all I saw was her. I lost sight of everybody in the congregation. It was just like a white cloud that surrounded her and myself, and I didn't see anybody else. Say in the spirit. I didn't control it. I didn't push a button. I can't explain it. But all I saw was me and her standing there, and I heard so clearly. I heard, and, and, and then first, and then I, I saw like a. Well, I've always described this. What to me it was like a like a white rose, and I saw it blossom. I saw it close completely up, and I saw it full bloom right in my face. I saw that, and I heard the Lord say so clearly. And all this is on tape, by the way. And the husband still has the tape. Uh, he's got the baby to go with the tape now too, but. But, uh, but I, uh, I, I heard the Lord say, Thou shalt bring forth a child. And everything I heard God say, I said. And I said that she would bring forth a child, and I described attributes of a child and so forth and so on, and it was recorded. So I can't deny it. I said she would get pregnant and she would have a child. Okay? So I said all that. Service ends, and I remember driving home, and, and this is sometimes the feelings that some of us face when you try to move in the supernatural or whatever because you feel, because you're not always in the spirit. So when I'm driving home, I'm not in the spirit, I'm in a Ford pickup. Okay? 
And so I'm not in the spirit. And, but, I, but I'm being attacked, you know, and the enemy's saying, well, what if she don't? What if she don't? They already think you're stupid, this, that, whatever, all the attacks, that, those voices you hear in your head. That's not God. You got that right, okay? And I just remember saying real loud, because they wasn't nobody in the truck, but just me, God, and the devil. You know, the truck was pretty full. <clears throat> and I said, what if she does? I just said out loud in my truck. Matter of fact, I screamed it. Because all I could hear was like, what if she don't? What if she don't get pregnant? What if she don't? You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to look like a stupid idiot. She's got a tape of it. You can't deny it. You're such a stupid preacher. God don't talk to you like that. The devil does. See, that's why most preachers won't mess with this. Because there's a lot of pressure goes with this. It's just better to preach three points in a poem on how to get saved. Say amen, go home, eat chicken, don't worry about it. Bury the dead, remember you're sick, and just live your life. And I'm just telling you, that's the road most preachers are going to take. Because it, this other stuff ain't clean. It's like, I don't know if you've ever, I was a paramedic for 20 years, so, you know, unfortunately, you might say fortunately, but I say unfortunately I had the opportunity to help many babies come on into earth. Now, I'm just like, you know, I'm not delivering the baby. The mama is, but you're down there like Johnny Bench catching it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're down there, you know, and you're actually praying that she don't have it, you know, but sometimes they have it, and you've got to deal with it. And there's a lot of, you know, other stuff that comes besides just a little baby. The baby don't arrive, you know, with, with baby powder on. <laughs> he has to be cleaned up as soon as he gets here. There's a lot of... Lot, See, some people don't like the mess. They want the baby, but they don't want the mess. Are you with me? So the gifts of the Spirit, when you begin to say, I want to be used of you, God, then there's going to be some messes. There's going to be some things that you're not going to be able to understand or explain. But I just know on that night when I saw that, I declared that to her. And it don't always happen like this, guys. But listen, there's so many people. There's, set, there's several people sitting in here that know this is true. They were there. My parents, Pastor Keith, there's so many people know this is so. But, but, but. 30 days later, I came in one night, I don't know what day it was, but there was a message, you know, back when you had the old answering machines and the things blinking. And I hit it, and it was, it was that man's wife. It was the wife, and she said, I just remember she heard a little timid, shy voice. This was her message. She said, Brother Dale, she said, this is so-and-so. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. That's what she And then she hung up. That was all she said. She just told me, she, I'm pregnant. You know, and to her, that was like off the chart wild you know and back in those days you know didn't have the strips and all this stuff but they, they gave you a little like a little circle thing and as I understand it and she went down where her parents worked and both sides mother in-laws and outlaws and showed them the proof that she was pregnant because she knew nobody wouldn't believe her and uh showed them that and she had and she had the child and that that child is a, is a young lady in fact, in fact she'd had a, a second child and uh Son and daughter, and 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 why why did it happen before? I don't know. It's just being in the spirit, and and I've seen that 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 occur so many times. Now there's things that you can do to kind of precipitate being in the spirit, like in the book of Acts, the tenth chapter. Uh, Peter is a Jewish apostle. Now Jesus has already you know been resurrected and so forth, but he's still struggling with some things, and what he's struggling with is the view of Gentile people. And so he's at a guy's uh, house called Simon the Tanner. I guess he was kin to my son-in-law. He's a tanner. And he's, uh, but he, he's, uh, tell me you don't get that. Don't worry about it if you don't get them. Just, just keep, keep going. 
Uh, but he was on the rooftop of this house, and he said he was real hungry. It was 12 noon, and so he was up on the rooftop, it said, praying. So in other words, he's praying. He's on the rooftop praying, and while he's up there praying, listen, the Bible said he went into a trance, okay? I mean, say in the spirit. Is being in a trance in the spirit or not? That's in, that's in the, and so while he's in this trance, now some of that t- terrifies you, you know. Don't worry about it. If you're in one, you won't realize it until it's over with. But he was in a trance, and he saw the heavens open. Not, this ain't about open and closed heaven. He just saw the heavens open for him, and a four-cornered sheet get lowered. It had all manner of unclean beast on it, and he heard the Lord say, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, I'm not going to do that because I'm a Jewish guy, and I've never eaten anything nasty like that. And God said, don't you call you know, unclean what I have cleansed. And God's not talking, this ain't got nothing to do with diet or food. It ain't got nothing to do with eating lobster or shrimp or oysters. Forget it. Anybody ever preached all that, didn't know what they were talking about, and they should have closed the Bible and went home. This is talking about clean and unclean people. And so he didn't get it. And so God showed him the video a second time, and he didn't get it. And he showed it to him a third time, and he didn't get it. And there's things that God will show you in the Spirit that you're not going to get the first time you see it. And Peter, who walked and talked with Jesus and walked on water with Jesus, didn't get it. And I know that if there's things in my life, I've said, God, I, I may have some things really messed up and don't understand some stuff, but just do like you did with Peter. I mean, put me in a trance then and show me the right way. Show me. I want to be right with you. I want to, I mean, not like right, like acceptable, but I want my theology to be correct. I want to view, I want to view things properly. And, and so, so here, uh, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him. when he, It says he came out of that trance, and it says he's thinking about that vision that he saw while he was in the trance, and he's wondering what it means. And he says, while he was wondering, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, three men are at the door. The Holy Spirit spoke to him, said, there's three men at the door who seek thee. You arise and go with them, asking no questions. Because Peter's like me. He's analytical. He wants to figure it all out before he gets there, but you ain't going to get to and so, sure enough, doorbell rings, and there's three men out there saying, we're seeking a man named uh, Peter. Is he at this house? And they, they said, yes. They come in, stay the night. Next day, you get into Acts chapter 11, and these men lead them to Cornelius' house. A Gentile, non-Jew, unclean, supposedly. Peter walks in there, and he says, for what purpose have you sent for me? And the Bible says Peter opened his mouth and began to speak to him. And he got to one part in his sermon, and you read all this when you get time and like it, uh, check it out if you'd like to but this is what Peter says he says I perceive that, 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 that no men are unclean and that what God has cleansed nobody should call unclean and that God has accepted all men on equal basis come on now and it says that and, and, and he says that you have received and he said the, the forgiveness of sins is yours now ain't nobody in there asked for forgiveness ain't nobody prayed for forgiveness Ain't nobody even said nothing, and yet Peter just told them they were all forgiven already. And it says, it says, and, and listen, and when Peter spoke that, next verse, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those that were in the house. And you know what? And they began to speak in other tongues and praise God. It, isn't that awesome? Don't you think the Holy Spirit could fall upon them at any point that he so chose to? But when he, heard them, when he heard Peter tell them they were already all forgiven of their sins, he said, this is a good place here to drop in here on them. And it said the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Do you know the last time you see that word in the, in the Greek there, fell upon them, used, is you have to go back to the prodigal son. 
Remember when the father ran to that boy and it says he fell upon him and he kissed his neck? That's the same Greek word. Boy, that's some good uh, Greek theology right there for you. That's, that's it. Only two times it's used in there. But the Holy Spirit fell upon him just like that father fell upon that prodigal son uh, coming home. And he fell upon them. But in the Spirit, you see things, you know things. When, when, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, remember that Moses and Elijah appeared to him there. Peter, James, and John are there, and they knew that was Moses and Elijah. How'd they know? Because they were in the Spirit. And I remember being in the Spirit, and I see, and so, see these things. Most of the time with me, a lot of times the spiritual revelation would come like that in a dream. I told you I had a lady in our church, you know, uh, up there that, that had went through an awful divorce. Horrible divorce. Divorces are horrible. She was so hurt. And uh, it was right after the divorce was final. And on a Saturday night, you know, went to bed, wasn't bothering nobody, didn't eat pizza, you know what I'm saying? But in the night, I had a vision. And I saw this lady. And I saw her give birth to a little girl. And I saw her holding that little girl and dressing that little girl and frilly dresses and, and just and, and I didn't have any natural knowledge of this and I and I and God revealed to me in the dream that that was the dream of that woman's heart was to one day be married and have a little girl that she could dress up in frilly dresses and uh, and in this dream God told me to prophesy to her so you you're not gonna get this at the first church of the frozen there. Because I'm just dumb enough to do it on Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I called the woman out. Many people, they're sat, sitting right here that were in the service when I did it. And I called the woman. Just don't make me great. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not playing games here. It was in the spirit. I can't make it happen, but, but you have to act on it. So I asked the, the, the woman to come forward. Now, I didn't want to ask her about nothing because I didn't figure she even wanted another husband. Now, I'm not fixing to say anything to her about a husband because some women don't want one because they've done had one. But I know God, and if he's prophesying a baby to the woman, guess what? He's also prophesying to the woman. She's going to get married because God's going to do that. It's going to be sitting together, kissed in the tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, second comes marriage, then here comes you with a baby carriage. Anybody remember? That's how it used to be. And God loves you no matter when the baby carrier showed up. But I'm just saying. So I knew God was speaking to her about the husband, but he didn't show me nothing about a husband, and I didn't say nothing to her about a husband. But in front of God and everybody, I called her out on a Sunday morning with a tape machine running. And I looked at that single woman had went through just a horrible divorce, ain't even stopped bleeding from the divorce. Single woman, ain't even got a boyfriend. And said to her, God tells me that the dream of your heart, and I saw your uh, dream of your heart is to have a little girl. And I, last night I saw your little girl and I saw you holding that little girl. And if you don't relinquish the hope that's within you, the day comes that you will hold that baby girl and you will hold that daughter in your arms and you'll give God the praise. Thus saith the Lord. How many of those, that's a good Sunday morning. But don't nobody shout when you say that because people look at you like, oh, she ain't even got a boyfriend. He ought to prophesy a baby to her. See, if you're, not, if you're too worried about yourself, you're not going to move in the Spirit. This, all this stuff just don't have to happen on a Sunday morning in a church service. It can happen on your job. It can happen in your company. It can happen in your life. But so here, here goes along. You know, time goes by, months, year two. I don't know how long it was. I, I, anyway, the real short version is she met a guy. They got married. 
I can't explain this, and let me tell you something. God's not, God doesn't kill anything. God's a giver of life, not a taker. And all I know, the real short version of this, is here this couple gets pregnant. This is years after the prophecy on Sunday morning. The church gets so fired up, man. Oh, y'all remember Brother Dale prophesied that one? You know, all that. And everybody's, all, everybody's on board with prophecy then. And they're all excited and pumped up. And, and I'm getting, you know, I, praise God. And so she didn't go too many months. And she had, you know, she lost the baby. Miscarriage, whatever they call it now. She lost the baby. Boy, you just feel the whole church go down. Oh. And then they're looking at you like, oh, poor Brother Dale. Hey, poor Brother Dale. I'm just saying what God said, what I saw. And so, you know, that's, they, they love God with all their heart, this, this husband and wife. And they, they just, I, I never even saw them. They never even scheduled an appointment, you know. And, of course, we ministered to them, whatever. And, they, they, yeah, they were heartbroken and wept and cried and didn't understand all those things that go with normal life, okay. Time goes along. Months go along. And, um, you know, what I didn't even tell you for, after they were married, for, even before we get to that first baby, is she was told she couldn't ever even have a kid medically. They were even thinking about in vitro and stuff like that. And, and you know, I'm like, God bless you, whatever, you know. I mean, I'm not going to direct people's lives. But, but then, lo and behold, she became pregnant. And then, you know, they were so excited, and then the baby lost the baby. Months go by, she gets pregnant again. She carries the baby probably, you know, to my recollection, about a month longer than the previous child. So we're thinking, hey, praise God. And all of a sudden, we get a call. Tears, heartbroken, lost the baby. Baby's gone. Now, that one put them in my office as pastor. And I remember that day sitting there, husband and wife both crying and weeping. And they're asking their pastor, me, who prophesied that they would have a hold of the baby. And I was specific, not just a baby, but a daughter. You know? And God was seeming so silent that day. And I'm like, God, I don't like working for you because, like, I need you now. But you ain't saying nothing. And all I could do with that couple, and and listen to me, that's when you want to be another church and another kind of deal where you don't fool with all this. Because then you don't have them kind of meetings in your office. But people don't get a lot of things that they could receive from the Lord either because they don't have the faith to believe. You know what the vision did for her? I didn't give her the baby. It gave them faith to believe for what God wanted them to have the whole time. I said, if you want, I said, listen to me. I said, I don't understand this no more than you do. All I know is this. Number one, God didn't take neither one of them children from you. He gave them to you. He didn't take them. All right. I said, secondly, if you won't relinquish the hope that is within you, the day comes, I tell you, you will still hold your own daughter in your arms. That didn't seem to bless them that much. We didn't feel thunder and lightning and fire, and, and they still, you know, tearing and walked out of my office, and that was in. And I remember sitting there in, in the silence of my office after they left thinking, th- that scripture in First Thessalonians says, despise not prophesying. Because right there, it's easy to despise it because it don't always go pretty, pretty Sunday morning pretty like you want it to. Here it comes again. Months goes by. I don't know how many months. She gets pregnant a third time. The only thing we did that I did differently as a church pastor is I went to people that would just really, that I knew would be like a bulldog in the spirit, if you know what I'm talking about. And I, and I, made, a, I made them look me in the eye and, and covenant, making a, enter into a covenant with me and my wife that they would join me and my wife in praying over that baby arriving here 
full term, healthy, well, and we would, we, we would not relent, but we would declare that every day over that woman until that baby arrived. And I, didn't, I wanted somebody that would say, I'll do it for the full nine months with you. And they did, and we did, and so here come that little baby girl. And, and I remember the, the day that my wife, I was out, and my wife, and I don't mean this arrogant, but I just remember the day my wife come and said, you know, so-and-so just called me, and she had the ultrasound and all, where now they can tell, and it's a little girl. So I just took that opportunity to say, of course it's a little girl. Ain't that what I prophesied? But really inside I'm going, praise God. <laughs> but, you know, I'm really saying, well, I told my wife, of course it's a little girl. Didn't God say it was a little girl? Hallelujah. What did I prophesy? What would you have done if it had been a little boy? I'd have said, there's a girl coming on the way. It's the boy's coming first, hallelujah. And I remember she had the baby. And I remember the Sunday morning that they wanted to dedicate the little daughter, her name's Mary Alice, to the Lord. And uh, I didn't ask them to do anything. And I remember the, the mama walking in with that, I think it was a cassette tape, might have been a CD, I can't remember. But anyway, they had the recording of the prophecy when she was a single woman without a boyfriend. With tears rolling down her cheeks, she said, Pastor, would you mind at the baby dedication if we played this prophecy first before we dedicate Mary Alice? And I said, it'd be fine. And I'm telling you that day when they played that prophecy and those people sitting there on that Sunday morning could hear that prophecy from years before and then they could see the baby in her arms. Oh, you could feel faith arise in our whole church. And everybody in there, I could feel it like I'm feeling it rise now. You could, you could feel it start infusing them. It's like right now, even like God's hooking up an IV infusion of faith on some of you right now. Because if God would do that for that woman, he'll do that for you. God can do whatever uh, that you need. You need to believe in him. No matter how long it takes for that miracle. But if, if, if you don't relinquish the hope. Hope is important because hope is the, is the soil that the seeds of faith go into. And yeah, we got to have faith, but you got to have hope before faith comes. You got to have that, that hope and faith. They work together. And so, so we, we got to see that baby. And I mean, people in that church that day, they believed that God could do anything. Do you know that he can do anything? I remember being in a little town called Nichols, Georgia, and and I remember preaching one night, and I looked out, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came as I looked out over a couple. I remember the couple had my attention prior to that as I stood to preach because I was an evangelist. I wasn't pastoring anywhere. And I looked out in this little church in this little town called Nichols, and I saw a, a man of God that had preached to me when I was, you know, that would come to our church. In other words, where I attended, he would come as an evangelist, a visiting evangelist. So he, he was a real tall man. I recognized him sitting back there, and his, his wife was by his side. And he made me real nervous. I'm being honest with you. It made me nervous that he was in my meeting because I feel like this guy was a professional preacher, and I was a wannabe. That's why I felt. And I, I was so nervous with him back there, and I'm thinking, like, what's he doing in my meeting? Why ain't he at the house like the rest of the preachers watching TV tonight? Why, why is he looking for extra meetings to go to is what I was trying to figure out, you know. But I didn't think nothing about it. did my best. I preached and I got to the end and, and all of a sudden the spirit came on me in a way. And I looked out on his wife and it's like, she, I, all, all I know, she was illuminated to me. Listen, when you feel love draw you to somebody, that's God painting the target. Go after it. Go after that person. And uh, what, 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 go after him for what? Just get him close to you and just start talking. Watch God do something. And so I, I, I asked that lady, I said, ma'am, could I pray for you to his wife? And, uh, and she said, yes. And she starts coming forward. And I said, uh, uh, 
brother, would you come with your wife? And so, again, as they walked down front, as I stood in front of the woman, everybody say, in the spirit. I can't control this, but on that night, on that occasion, I, I saw in the spirit. And it's like watching a video. And when I, when I stood before the woman, this is what I saw. I saw her face. I saw her crying and weeping. And it was like I was watching her on a video. I could hear what she was saying. And she was in her private prayer place, and she was talking to God. And she was just a weeping and crying and said, oh, God, why? Why did this happen? I don't understand. And she was just weeping before God, asking God why, and asking God why. And then the next image that I saw in the spirit was I saw a clump of grapes, beautiful purple-looking grapes, a bunch of grapes, a clump of grapes. You understand what I mean? And I saw a pair of silver scissors go right in the middle of the grapes and cut them. And I saw the grapes that were cut fall to the top of a brown table. And they rolled off the table in every direction. And I heard the Lord say, tell her, for this reason these things have occurred, that I shall bring forth more grapes, bigger grapes, and better grapes. And that's what God told me to tell her. And so as I'm seeing all of this, I'm telling the woman what I'm seeing. I said, I see you in your private prayer place. I see you crying out to God, and this is what you told God. You told God, why, why? You were weeping, and your heart's been broken. And I saw a pair of silver scissors go in the middle of a clump of grapes, and they cut that grape in, clump in half, and the grapes fell, and they rolled off the table in every direction. But God told me to tell you that the reason this has occurred, so there would be more grapes and bigger grapes and better grapes that would come in your life. And while I'm talking this, not only is she weeping, and crying, and you could feel every hair on your body at attention because the Holy Spirit's manifesting in power. And that, and that husband was weeping as well. And I prayed that and prophesied that and went on to the next person, went on to the next person. But on them, I was in the Spirit in a way that I can't make happen on my own. And uh, I can aid it, I can yield, I can try to, you know, I can, you know, there's things we can do. You know, and so after the service, that pastor or that preacher, I didn't know he even was pastoring. He come here, he come to me. And he said, Brother Dale, he said, do you still live in, in, in Cook County? I did at that time. He said, you still live there? I said, yeah. He said, well, that means you've got to drive through Coffee County to get back to where you're going, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to stop by my house tonight. Would you do that for me? I've got to talk to you. I said, I will, brother. He broke down the directions, you know. And, I, and on the way home, I stopped at his house. Walked in, and uh, he said, he, I remember he said, Brother Dale, and I, I'd never been in this man. I didn't even know this man was pastoring. I'd never had a conversation with this man. But I walked in his house. He, this is what he said to me. He said, you know, he said, Brother Dale, he was still crying. And his wife was still crying. He said, you got no idea what God did tonight. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. We see in part and prophesy in part. We don't know. It's by the Spirit. And so I, I, I said, no, sir, I, I don't know. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, a few weeks ago, he said, of course, I'm pastoring this church here where you're at. And he said, a few weeks ago, a woman stood up in my congregation on a Sunday morning and, and, and challenged me over some issue publicly, said some things that were awful publicly, and walked out of the church on a Sunday morning. And he said, over 100 people went out the door with her. And he was just crying. He said, Brother Dale, people walked out of that church that I thought would have given their life for me. And he said, ever since then, he said, we've been trying to find out what God's will was for our life. We felt like maybe we was going to resign here. And we were going to go to another appointment, maybe if they would appoint us to another city, another church. And we've just been heartbroken over it because we lost half our church. And we didn't know what to do. And that's why we were out visiting revivals and meetings that we heard about. And we heard that you were going to be in Nichols. And we decided we would just go. 
and trust God to use whoever he wanted to use to speak to us to give us direction at this point in our ministry. Isn't God good? And so God honored their faith, and they went, and he said, you called my wife out, and you spoke to her, and he said, that's exactly what she had said, and that's what we were both saying. And those clumps of grapes, now I understood what they were. That was people. But one thing, listen to me, that you need to understand, silver in the Bible represents, in most cases, redemption. I'm not trying to give you a formula, but they represent redemption. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, redeem, redeeming a life. So those silver scissors were not there to bring destruction, but redemption. God was redeeming something. I know I've looked out in congregations. I've been preaching like this before. It even happened to me once since I've been at this church. And I remember one time I looked out and I saw a man sitting over here in this section. And I looked and I saw and I saw like a silver metal band around his brain, around his, up around his head. And even in this building, I called that man and I told him what I saw and I laid hands. And, and I've seen that three times in my ministry where the enemy is just trying to, to just, just torment people in their minds. And, 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 and God snaps that thing and delivers them. Um, I remember when I said that to that uh, couple, and they saw it as, the, you know, they lost half their people. They rolled off the table. They rolled out. And I said, all I know is what God said. Well, you know what? They were so excited. They said, we're staying right here. We ain't going nowhere. Bless God. God said, you're going to bring forth more grapes, bigger grapes, and better grapes. Now, listen to me. I'm not making any of this up. I can give you real specific details. I can tell you the name of the church. I can tell you the name of the people, whatever. You know, if you want to doubt me, if you're doubting, you, you still ain't going to believe when I got through with that anyway. But listen to me. Twelve months. It takes a long time to when you even got nothing on paper to, to, to draw a church building to hire a contractor and to build the church and get it furnished and up and running. Now, when I was there, that guy scheduled me for a revival. And uh, with, with, as quick as I could get there that night, he said, I want you to come quick as you can. So it was just a few weeks later, I scheduled and I went for a revival. The reason I remember that revival so well is my youngest son was born midweek of that revival. So that, I kind of remember that. And uh, Jill remembers it even better than I do. Uh, but he was born like at 12 noon Wednesday, and I was in revival. But I remember when I went to that church, listen to me now, I'm almost done, and uh, I'm gonna, we, 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 you know, it's going to be a different series. But I want you to have faith again and believe for supernatural things. Listen, but when I, when I went to this revival just a few weeks later, you understand I'm preaching all over, you know, as far as South Georgia. Area. In other words, I didn't morph into some other guy or something. But when I went to that church, I remember being there on that, on that Sunday morning. Me and my wife went in. and Actually, she was still she was there, but she was going with me. She went with me that Sunday morning. Am I telling the truth, baby? And uh, so I remember this is what he said. And, and at, that, at that time, I was in a Pentecostal denomination. I, wasn't, I hadn't even started a church or anything. And I remember he said, the prophet of God is in the house. That's what he said. And I was like, who just walked in? I really, I thought, and we didn't use that terminology in that denomination. We didn't call a person a prophet. Nobody called that I'd ever heard, unless you're talking about Elijah or Moses, one of them guys. And, and, and he told his church, he said, church, he said, we've been anticipating this revival. The prophet of God is with us this morning. And then I realized he's talking about me. I'm like, this guy's tripping. <laughs> he's thinking I'm a prophet. I don't even believe in prophets. And he's there calling me one. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a paradigm for a prophet. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I didn't. So I come up before the people, and I start preaching a revival, just like I thought I would normally do. But I, I would just say to you, no exaggeration, that was, that's been, to, in my mind, the greatest revival I've ever been involved in. 
in all my years of ministry. Because all I can call it is in the spirit. Every night the lights was on. What was it? In the spirit. You know what, you know what, did, what, what made that special? Their pastor that they trusted told them the testimony of what God did to, and said to them. Now that was the half that stayed with them that's listening to this. So it gave them great faith. They knew how in the world did he know that. So they had great faith and confidence that here, here comes this guy that's prophesied to our pastor and, and saw things in the spirit. So they, their expectancy is real high. You wonder why people go to many, many hen meetings or these certain meetings and they get healings and whatever. It's not because of many hen. It's because their faith and expectancy is so high up there that they're trusting and believing God to do a miracle and God will meet you at that miracle. Listen, God does not have on and off switches in the spirit realm. We're the only ones with on and off switches. We're the ones that's going on and off, not God. It is not like the old Pentecostal doctrine that says you can't pray in tongues unless the Spirit comes upon you. And that's what I used to believe. And so when I grew up in church, I didn't think you could even pray in the gifts of the Spirit or tongues, as we call it. And you may not understand that. But, 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 but so I, I would never, you know, I, th I didn't think I could pray in tongues. In other words, unless the Spirit willed. So guess what? I never prayed in tongues at the house. Why? Because it didn't get stirred up. Unless I was at the church. And now when you're at the church with the saints and the singing's going on and the worship's going on, what happens? You get it, you're in the spirit. You get stirred. You get, and you know, you know, then you shoot a mosquito, shoot a mosquito, untie my bow tie, Yamaha, Yamaha, Suzuki. It just starts coming out like crazy. Now some of you don't understand that. I'm just, don't get mad. I pray in tongues more than ye all. <laughs> but in the congregation, I speak in English so that you may understand. And if someone does pray in tongues, we'll pray for the interpretation of that tongue that we all may be edified by it. And if there is no interpreter, then that person will remain silent. And if they need help to be silent, we will help them. <laughs> but we want this congregation edified and we want Jesus glorified. And we're not scared of the things of the Spirit. We want to move in the things of the Spirit and we understand everything won't be perfect. But in the Spirit, you'll know things. And so, and so uh, I, I know that, you know, every, I mean, it was, just, it was just tremendous. Things that have never happened before. I remember preaching one night, the Spirit of the Lord came, and God spoke to me and said, there's a teenager, and his name is such and such. And God told me to pray for him. I said, where is he? His mama screamed. She was sitting on this side. Oh, that's my son. That's my teenager. I said, where is he at? She's, he's in the youth building. I said, go get him. Can you know that the crowds were increasing every night there? How did you know that, Brother Dale? In the spirit. I remember preaching that night, looked four rows, four pews on this side, and I, my, I was just preaching and kind of looking like I'm looking at your faces, and my face locked upon this, this man. He was sitting there by himself. Nobody sitting around him. And I knew something. And I said, your heart's broken. You used to play and sing in the house of the Lord, and you think you, because there's been a, a failure that God doesn't love you anymore and you can't ever be used like that again. But I said, I want you to know it's just a lie of the devil. And the day comes, you'll sing and praise and worship God in the house of the Lord. And that whole audience gasped because everybody in Douglas knew that guy. And they knew his failure. And as far as he thought, he was done. But in, in front of God and everybody, God affirmed his sonship and affirmed his love to him and, and restored him. And you know what he was? He was up, he was up there singing before the week was out. Because he realized God loves him. And just because he's had a failure in his life doesn't mean God's through with him and kicked him, kicked him away. That's what being in the spirit 
See, I can't make in the spirit, I knew. And so the revival just grew every night. People just kept coming because they want to see the sideshow. They want to see their, want to get called out, whatever. And I remember I had another revival scheduled, and the pastor said, I want you to come, you know, and just let's just, won't we just run this thing on? Let's go another week. And I did pray about it. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just said, I, I hate to leave that other guy. You know, he's wanting me to come. He's got it. You know, I just hated to do that, that pastor. So I closed out that revival. He said, this pastor in Doug said, well, I'll tell you what. I want you to, I'm going to schedule you right now for one year from now. Exactly. I want you to be back in one year. I said, okay. Now, listen to me. Remember, more greats, bigger greats, better greats. Listen to me. When I came back one year later, is this the truth? They were in a brand new building. Brand new building, twice as big a church. Because as soon as I left the revival, within, within three weeks of me leaving that revival, after I had prophesied more greats, bigger greats, better, because God said it, he said that he opened, you know, the church doors opened one Sunday morning, and he said over 150 brand new people of whom he did not know, nor had he ever seen, walked into his congregation and took their place on his pews. By the way, these was wild, charismatic people. They entered into this Pentecostal so-called church and, 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 and over doubled his size on one Sunday morning. Place caught fire. People started coming from all over. Now instead of having less than 100 people, he's got 300 plus people in his congregation all praising, giving glory to God. And they said, my God, we got to build. We ain't got enough room for everybody to sit. And within 12 months, I mean, I, and so, and I, this is a fact because Brother Austin turned one year old. While I was in revival again back at that same church, God is a God can do things real quick. And he can do miracles, and he can turn things around quick. It can be your health. It can be your business. It can be uh, your marriage. It can be, listen, don't you give up on God. God can do stuff so quick. Don't you lose faith in God. Don't go by all what people are, you know, all the uh, people that are, you know, prophesying these wrong things to you. Don't believe that. And I remember I walked back in that church and before, listen, I don't care what, this ain't got nothing to do with you. I'm just saying, you know, in that church back then, they, in the old church they called it, you know, it was like the, you know, like the orange carpet, you remember, and the green pews, earth tones and stuff, remember, you know. I think that's coming back in. I don't care. But, but that's what it was. And I remember I walked back in the new church and it was like uh, teal. <laughs> Everything was like aqua green and teal and it was so fancy. And so I remember I was admiring the building and it smelt new. I mean, I don't know how many weeks they had got, you know, been in there. And it, man, it was full of people. And I was like, I can't even believe the same church. I was here one year ago. Look at this. And I, and I remember the prophecy. And I remember the pastor had, had them big fancy chairs on the stage. You want me to sit up there with him, you know, like we could sit up there while the choir sung and we could just look around at everybody. Glory to God. Remember that? I hate that. But anyway, <laughs> we did that, you know. I want to worship. I'm there. I need it worse than y'all do. And, um, but I remember the worship was going on. And I remember I looked out on this side and I saw this guy, uh, this big man, he just stood up in the pew padded pews, you know, brand new pews. He stood up in the pew with a tambourine. And he was just a good one at it, going to go with a tambourine. But he was standing in the pew and he was running up and down the pew. And, he was, and I was like, to me, I kind of thought that was like, you know, y'all don't know where I've come from. I was so legalistic, you don't even know what God's done. And he's still working on me too, if you can't tell. But I remember I was thinking, man, that's disrespectful. I mean, you shouldn't stand on the pew. It's brand new. Come on, brother. Don't put your feet on the pew. Like that. I mean, I, I'm thinking that. I didn't say that. But after lunch, you know, I mentioned it to the pastor. When we went to lunch, I said, what, what was that deal with that guy running up down the pew? I said, you know, beating his tambourine and all. I mean, he, I said, what's that about? 
See, you knew I could be religious, lad, did you? And uh, he, said, he said, man, that guy's a doctor in this town. Works out at the hospital. You know, he's like the, the director of doctors. And he said, you need to meet that guy. He said, that guy loves Jesus more than anybody I know. He said, he said I'll let him jump on any pew he wants to. <laughs> he's like, do you know what I got, ties? You know what I'm saying? I mean, glory to God, he can have, he can have all the pews he wants. <laughs> and uh, so I, he, that Sunday night, he introduced me to him. And, 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 and that doctor and I became good friends. And every time I'd go there, uh, which I did for many years, we, we'd always go out to eat with him and his wife. And just a great man. Even when I started Cornerstone Church, and I was no longer in the same denomination of that pastor, that pastor never forsook his fellowship with me. He was the only one. That pastor never stopped inviting me to his church. I brought my praise team, my drama team. I preached revivals every year. I preached every homecoming that he ever had from then on until he left that city and went to another city. That's what he thought of me. Because why? Because something happened one night in a little town called Nichols in the spirit. I can't make things happen. Now, I can help, I can help fuel things. You could go on top of the roof like Peter did and pray. That don't mean that you're going to fall in a trance, but, it's, it's, you know, God ain't going to throw you in a trance while you're driving down Interstate 70. He, he knows how to take care of you, okay? You're not going to wreck and come tell the police, well, I was in a trance, I was having a vision. No, God's not going to do that to you. Praying in the Spirit. Praying, seeking God, worshiping God. Even today, people were moved and and, and, and as, as, the, as, as the Spirit began, Paul told Timothy, in 2 Timothy, he, uh, he told him to stir up the gift of God that's within him. We're going to talk, we're going to spend one whole session talking about that. But I just want to say this to you. Listen, he said, stir up the gift of God, listen, that is within you. Now listen to me. Every one of you, whether you know it or not, you have gifts of the Spirit in you. They're not in heaven waiting to be, they're in you. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God which is in you, which was given thee through the laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is very important. We lay hands upon people, not because we think we're something, but because the Bible says to do those things. And, and, and so some of these things started happening in my life when I was a young man, and I was praying. And you say, well, how, how, do we, how do these things happen? First off, you desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Earnestly desire spiritual things. Do you desire to be moving supernatural realm? Listen, you need this in your life. You need th these things in your life. But if you don't desire it, I mean, how stir up those things. And I remember, I remember praying and, and desiring spiritual gifts. And we had a revival. I wasn't no preacher. I wasn't a preacher in those days. Me and Jill just hadn't been long married. And, and I remember uh, we, we, we would meet an hour before service. I'm going to tell this last story and I'll be done. Hour before service, uh, the men would meet in that church. Before, like if we had a revival starting, we would meet at 5 o'clock. Church started at 6 in the Sunday school room and pray. And so that night, we were starting Sunday night revival with this guy. I never even heard this guy. Didn't even know him, nothing about him. But the pastor said do that. So we, some of us men would meet and pray. And so we was in that meeting, uh, 5.30 or something, and one of the brothers spoke out in tongues and interpreted, and he said, you know, the Lord says that, that the gifts that we've been seeking, some of you in here, he said, been seeking the gifts, that they would be delivered even in this revival this week. That's a pretty specific word. In those days, I sung in the choir. Can you imagine that? Back row, baritone, here we go. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it all right. Page 92, in the burgundy back hymnal, check me and see if I ain't right. Okay. 
And so I sung in the choir, and then the pastor would say sometime, Brother Dale, come down and take prayer requests. So we'd come down and say, anybody got a prayer request? Y'all pray for Aunt Susan. She's got a ward on her head, and we need it delivered. Hallelujah, because we were tired of looking at it. Hallelujah. And we would take prayer requests or whatever. That, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. So we'd do that. So anyway, all that happens. The, the pastor introduces the guest preacher. Guest preacher comes, and he starts kind of standing up there. And I'm like, he's not preaching. He's just kind of looking around. And he says, where's that young man that took the prayer request for, for the pastor tonight? And so I'm, he's looking across our congregation. So I raised man. He said, come here. And so when I, when, I, when I went up there, he prophesied to me. We didn't even do that in our church. We called it a word of knowledge or something, word of wisdom. Something. But he prophesied to me. And he said, thus saith the Lord to you. He said, behold, I've given you the gift of prophecy. Be not afraid to speak that that I've given unto thee. Look to the left nor to the right. But behold the eyes of thy Lord. And he began to prophesy to me laid his hands on me, felt like a lightning bolt went through my body, and the power of God came upon my life, and, and, and he laid his hands, and he imparted that gift of prophecy in my life. Now, he's not the one that gave me the gift. God did. Now, listen to me. My children, when they were growing up, and now my grandbabies, when they know a certain holiday's coming up, be it Valentine's, be it Christmas, be it whatever Groundhog Day, they will ask for a gift. If there's any remote possibility that that holiday will, will merit a gift on my part, they will, they are not, listen, they are not shy in asking for a gift. Even though it is a gift, it's not wrong to ask for it. Now, some of you, you need to ask Papa for gifts. I, I ask God for gifts on my birthday. See, some of you don't know, you don't know how good he is. See, look at all the gifts you missed out on. Gifts of what? Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts, gifts in your life. Ask, ask God for gifts. There's nothing wrong. Listen, and listen to me. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I did not pray fast to deserve the gift of prophecy. I have that gift. The manifestation of it is different, but I have that gift on board with me, and God will never take it away from me, even if I send them. The gifts are there. It's a gift because I didn't earn it, and it's a gift because I cannot unearn it. And stop trying to figure out if you're worthy to be used of God. None of us are. Knock it off and just yield to the Lord. It's all by grace and it's all by his mercy. And just allow God to use you. Some of you trying to figure out, well, how do I know that? That's the spirit on you. You're going to learn in this series about things and how to recognize uh, this is God talking to you. And, and so, so uh, but I, I so want you to, 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 you know, listen, that next verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said, you remember that verse that says, for, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a sound mind, love, and joy. You, the, you know the verse above it says, stir up the gift of God. Do you know the context of that, that I've not given you the spirit of fear, of timidity? God's trying to tell Timothy, don't be afraid to use that gift to send you. Now you're running around quoting that when you're afraid of something going on in the economy. Or the, and that's okay. But the context of that verse is don't be afraid to step out in faith. Don't be afraid to step out in the gifts. I've seen God do so many wonderful things. Stand with me. So many miracles. Now, in this series, we're going to talk about stuff, and I want to give you those testimonies. I mean, isn't that good? I, I didn't make this stuff up. I mean, I didn't make this stuff up. There's a lady that's holding, well, would that lady have a baby without you prophesying it? No. See, that shocked you. I felt the shock waves go through there. See, one thing, listen to me. I'm not saying it was contingent on Dale. 
But so, every, listen to me. Now, you may not agree with this, but I'm going to say this because I believe it. In this kingdom that you and I find ourselves in that we were born into, and now our citizenship is in heaven, listen to me. Nothing happens, occurs on this planet, earth, unless it is first prayed or prophesied here by a human being. Because the heavens indeed belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Is that right? Now, you may not understand that, but e listen, even Jesus himself could not come to this planet and be born here if nobody ever prophesied that that was going to happen. That's why, why all the prophesying and why all the proclaiming, because that paved the way for that to come and manifest in the, in the natural. Somebody must pray. That's why your praying life is important. You're not earning something, but you need to you understand when we do the offering and the tithes, we're making a declaration over our city. We're declaring prosperity and blessing upon you and God's people in this region. We believe in the power of proclamation because the Bible teaches that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We believe that you say the right thing. You agree with God. You say what God says in situations. And so when you see darkness and chaos and confusion, don't be a thermometer to tell us what the temperature is. We already know it's cold. Be a thermostat and set it to a different atmosphere and with your tongue begin to declare, I know it's dark and confusing and chaotic, but I declare I speak light to this situation. I speak hope to you. I speak healing to your sick body. I declare that God's kingdom is real. I declare that you'll prosper and you'll, you, you, you'll walk in health. You'll live and not die. I declare your business will not go bankrupt, but God will intervene in your life. And so you just start declaring, not, that ain't hope fairy tale stuff. You say what God God says. You declare what God says over your marriage, over your business, over your children. That my children will walk in the light. They, you know, I, I, you know th th they'll do that. That God promised me my household. That my son shall not die out here on drugs and don't even know who God's name is. But he shall be delivered. He shall walk in the, in the, in the peace and the counsel of the Lord. He'll sit among the upright and the righteous. He will with his own tongue declare the works of the Lord. You just start saying those things. Well, I don't feel. No, it ain't about you what you feel. If your life is all in a mess like that pastor, you see what that pastor and his wife did? He got out of his comfort, got away from the television for a few minutes, went out and hunted him a revival, and went to a little old church in a little old town with a preacher that he knew just, was just getting started. But he put himself there because he was trusting in Papa. Like we sung, Abba Father. And he sat there, and God said, I can use something as weak as Dale Young to speak at this critical time in your life because I saw you, daughter, when you was crying. And even as God spoke through Crawford, did God say, did he, did he not say, do you don't think I hear you when you cry out to me? When you cry out to me in your prayer time, when you've cried out to me and tears have run down your face, did you not think I didn't hear you? Did you didn't think because I didn't immediately do something right then that it wasn't heard in heaven? God says, I tell you, I heard you cry. I heard you when you spoke your first word to me. I see what you're going through. I see what you're facing. Don't relinquish the hope that's within you. Stand there and say, I will yet again hold the promise that God gave me. I will yet again. And just stand there in, in faith and believe God. That's what this kingdom is based on. Just believe God. How many of you today... Say, Pastor, I'm telling you, I'm at a critical place. It could be like that lady. You're at a place where there's been tremendous hurt or at a critical place. I don't care. I don't need to fill in the blank for you. You know if you're 
you match that area today. But if, you're, if you match that, if you feel like that's you, I want you to come. I just want you to come and stand here at this altar. Let's just see what God will do. If, if you feel that, that that's me today, I feel like I'm like that lady or I'm like that pastor and his wife. I feel like I'm at a juncture in my life. I feel like I'm, I'm just finding myself at that place that is critical to me at least. It's critical to me at least. And I just, you come and stand. You stand in faith. Sister, for the Lord says unto you that he has heard your cry and he has seen you today. And even this day, you've brought yourself to this place when you had an opportunity and someone was even calling for you to go to another place today, but you knew you had to be here. Is that right? Yes, sir. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. You know why? Because God's delivering it right now. Lift your hands to the Lord, give him praise. It's done. It's done. Father, I thank you for this, my sister. I thank you even for that one that stands by her side that is not standing by her side, but shall stand by her side even this day. I thank you for the miracle, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the miracle. Thank you. You receive it? Yes, sir. <laughs> God said there's been someone that has stood by your side that's not standing there any longer. And that spirit of abandonment, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I declare the spirit of adoption and sonship and daughtership upon you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I bless her today. I bless her with that. That's your blessing upon this lady. And in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God praise. Don't you, don't you yield to anything. Father, I thank you that you love these people. These are your children. These are your sheep. Just like that pastor, just like that lady that had gone through a, a terrible divorce. And things didn't look right, didn't look good. But yet, God, I thank you that you intervened in their lives. Father, you do it differently. You do it in ways that you can minister to your people. You do it silently. You do it publicly. You do it privately. You do it in all kinds of ways. I want my ministry team, my elders, uh, you guys move and if God draws you to one person or someone special then you go to them if you feel love pulling you and, and drawing you to a person this is my leadership these are my elders and I want you to, to just speak to these people and just prophesy to them and proclaim the word of the Lord just proclaim the word of the Lord to them these people have come down today, and I wish that everybody in the congregation, and I'm not saying like that we all don't have issues, but would you stretch your hand towards these people that are standing here? Because they're saying like today is something really urgent going on in their life today, and they, 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 need, they need something today. Father, minister to your children. Minister to your children. Sister, I don't know you. Have you ever been here before? Forgive me if you haven't. I just hadn't logged it in my little brain. I just keep getting one word as I look at, at you. It may sound strange to you. Let's just launch here and see where we go, okay? You believe in the things of the Spirit, don't you? You've walked with God. You've, God's used you even prophetically. God's shown you things construction 
There's a lot of construction around you. Maybe even in the natural, but there's, God says there's construction there. God's building so many things around you. And, and during construction, things can look really chaotic and stuff lying over here and lying over here. And it looks like there's no rhyme or reason or even what it's going to look like. All you see is just a bunch of material scattered all over the place. Is this making any sense? <laughs> but I want to encourage you by the Spirit that don't be dismayed by all the construction in your life and in the life of those that are around you and even in the natural things that you see. But know even this day that God is the one that's the foreman over this job site. God is the one that's directing. Don't put that here. No, put that there. No, bring this. And you may say, but I can't afford this. I can't afford that. Or how will this happen? Or how will that happen? And God's the one that's bringing the supply. You believe in that? And even dreams of your own heart as a woman and as a wife. And even for your own physical home. And things that you dreamed of and believed for. Even as a little girl. God said those were not fairy tales. And the enemy thought he's had you. And he thought he's had you destroyed. And he thought he's had your life broken. And I see those times where then those things in the world. And you yielded to those things. And the enemy thought I got her. I got her now. And you gave yourself fully to those things, but yet God fully reached and pulled you out of those things. And he's delivered you and he has spared your life. And he has set your feet upon the rock. And God's going to finish everything that he's begun to do in your life. You believe that? Give, lift your hands and give him praise. God, I bless my sister today. I bless her in the name of the Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing in her life and even this Sunday morning. And I bless you for it. In Jesus' name. You be encouraged today. You go and fight today. Okay? Amen. You just keep doing that big smile and believe in God for everything going on in your life.